copy of God's Word this morning, I would love for you to turn to the book of Mark, chapter 10. We're actually going to finish chapter 10. It seems like we've been in it for a long time, but we're going to finish it this morning. I know, promises, promises, right? Well, we're going to finish it. We're going to finish it. With a great story, a story that most of you have heard many times over, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus. So to kind of get the, give you the setting, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. This is his last trip to Jerusalem before his crucifixion. He's headed to Jerusalem, which is the center of all religious, political, and social activities in Palestine at this time. It is an active place. And oh, by the way, it's Passover season. So people are headed to Jerusalem for Passover. Well, Mark is recording the last miracle that Jesus does before he enters Jerusalem. This is the last one. The last miracle. You know, and Jesus has healed many blind people, but this one's going to make a difference. Jesus uses this blind man's sight to illuminate the spiritual darkness that covers us all, even, in, even at this point in time in his followers. This man saw through his blindness. So let's read about blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 46. They came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples... And a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to keep quiet, but he was crying out all the more, Have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man. And said to him, have courage, get up, he's calling for you. He threw off his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him, what do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, the blind man said to him, I want to see. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this story, and I thank you for the revelation to us of Bartimaeus' faith. What we see here is a man with physical blindness, but he could see spiritually. Help us to see this morning the spiritual truths that are here for our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I've heard that if you lose one of your senses, your other four compensate. And I think that's true. I, I think that's a, a physical thing our body does. So in today's age, blindness is really not as debilitating as it used to be, which is why he was begging on the side of the road. But blindness is not debilitating. But spiritual blindness is condemning. Okay, Spiritual blindness will damn you to hell Okay, if you don't see Jesus Christ. And so that's one of the things that we need to get out of this. Jesus Christ can help us see even if we were physically blind. Jesus meets Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, who believes Jesus is the Messiah even before he could see with his own eyes. And that's faith. Faith that saves, sees Jesus as the Savior of the world regardless of any impairment you may have, regardless of any disability you may have, including blindness. Faith that saves sees Jesus as the Savior of the world. So how can blindness help us see? Well, I believe blindness helps us see two truths in our lives that we need to learn from this passage this morning. First, blindness plagues us all. At some point in your life, you were blind from birth to that point. 
We are all blind from the start. Look at verses 46 through 48 again. They came to Jericho. As he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to keep quiet, but he was crying out all the more. Have mercy on me, son of David. You can see a lot right there in that man's faith. But let's talk a little bit about Jericho because I think that's even important. Jericho. What do we know about Jericho? If you've been in church, you've been in Sunday school, you've been in Bible school, you've probably heard the story of Jericho. It was the first city that the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, conquered entering the promised land. You can read about it in Joshua chapter 1 or 2 or 3, somewhere in that ballpark. You can read about that, and it's a pretty significant little place. It marked the beginning of the conquest of Canaan, the ruling out of all the pagan worshipers there. And Joshua led a most unusual conquest of that city. Remember marching around it once each day for seven days, then marching around it seven times, then blowing horns and the walls fell down. I know, incredible, right? Pretty miraculous. Well, that's what we're going to see today is another miracle. So at this time, though, when Jesus is in Jericho, there are actually two cities. There's the old city, which is, which is not really popular, and then there's a new city that, that Herod bought from somebody, and I could go through all that history, but it's not important. There's two cities, so they're real close to each other. So Jesus is leaving one and perhaps even headed toward the other. In Matthew and Luke's account of this, one of them says he's entering the city. So that's where the confusion comes from, is there's actually two cities at this time. But now Jericho with all of its history in, in, the, in the Israel's, in our Bible, Jericho now marks the last leg of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, to the cross, toward our redemption. He's going to conquer sin and death. And we know that because we read our Bible. But Jericho is on the road, and it's kind of at the beginning of the road that ascends up the mountains on the east side from Jerusalem that goes over the mountains into Jerusalem. It's a steep road, but it's a great place because it's where everybody from the east kind of funnels into Jerusalem for Passover. So here at Jericho, Jesus meets this blind man. But he also meets Zacchaeus. He also tells the parable of the talents at Jericho. Jesus uses this city as a marker for his trek to Jerusalem. So the Passover pilgrims are coming up through there, and it's a great place to beg. I mean, if you're going to find a place to beg, you want a crowd, right? You, you, get, more, you get more money that way. We don't see too many beggars on the street of Altamont because there's not that many people walking by. But go to New York City, downtown Manhattan, you'll see a lot of beggars. So it, it's a great place to beg on that road. Bartimaeus is begging. Probably been a guy that's been there a lot. Probably well known in the area. And he's begging, but he hears there's a difference in the crowd. The crowds are always noisy anyway. People having conversations as they walk on the road. But for some reason, the crowd's noise is different to Bartimaeus this, this time. And he asks, What's going on? Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. Someone tells him. Jesus of Nazareth passing by. Now that term, we understand what that means, but, but that term back then was used kind of derogatory. It was saying basically, Jesus, this poor guy from the little bitty unliked town of Nazareth was walking by. They were trying to confine Jesus' mission to say that he's just a man. So they used that term in a, in a negative kind of way. Jesus of Nazareth is walking by. Even though they were following him and they were excited he was there, they didn't see him for who he was. 
Jesus of Nazareth. But Bartimaeus knew who Jesus of Nazareth was. Jesus of Nazareth was. He knew something that they did not. And he began to cry that fact out. He cried out loud. He prayed to Jesus. He identified Jesus with his words as the Messiah, which is quite the revelation for the Jews at that time, and they were trying to stomp that out. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, you know he had to holler it pretty loud for the crowd to hear, for him to hear, for Jesus to hear, to get it over the crowd noise. Now, Jesus means he will save his people. In Matthew 1, 21, it says, name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus means he will save his people. Son of David is a term or a phrase that points directly to the Messiah. And it was a phrase that was used along by the Pharisees and stuff at this time when they talked about the Messiah. So he shouts it. The crowd, they try to keep him quiet. Shut up. Be quiet. Don't, don't disturb Jesus. They didn't think Jesus had the time or really should lower himself to stop and listen to a blind man complain or listen to a blind man beg. See, they thought Jesus, that God had cursed this man. I mean, that's what they thought. They showed favoritism. I think you heard about that last Sunday. They showed favoritism and prejudice to this man, and they said, be quiet. Because they believed that God had cursed him because he was blind. If you remember in John chapter 9, the disciples asked Jesus about a blind man in Jerusalem. Did this man sin or did his parents sin? So that was this common teaching that Jesus, that um, people that were, had maladies, people that had disabilities were cursed by God. That's what they believed. And so they were like, shh, be quiet. They saw him as lower class, as somebody that didn't need the time of day. He was a beggar. He was blind. But Bartimaeus was not to be deterred. He cried out even more. He made it even louder and louder. He wanted Jesus to stop and listen to him. He may never get this chance again. It's obvious that Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus. It's obvious that he knew what Jesus had done in other places. This isn't the first time Jesus has been to Jerusalem. Now, this may be the first time he went through Jericho to get there. I don't know. But this is the first, not the first time. So, so Martimaeus has heard about him. He may never get that chance again. He asked the future judge of the universe to give him mercy. See, but his shouts were not just about his blindness. See, he was crying out for mercy, but it wasn't about his physical blindness. He begged for mercy because that was all he wanted. He had faith. He wanted sight. He already had faith. He knew he deserved to be blind. He knew, I don't, I don't, I'm not special. He already knew that. He knew that the curse of sin and death is what brought on his blindness. It wasn't he did anything wrong. It wasn't that his parents had done anything wrong, although they had, and, and so had he. But it wasn't because of that. He knew the curse of sin and death was on him, and only the Messiah could remedy that. He was crying out for mercy for his sight and his soul. His eyes were just a temporal problem, but he was looking to remedy the eternal problem. Now, how did he know that this name fit Jesus? How did Bartimaeus know? He's not a Pharisee. He's not a Sadducee. He's not a scribe. He's not anybody. 
He's a blind beggar. How did he know son of David fit Jesus? Well, he made some connections because he'd been in Bible school. He'd gone to church. He'd heard these stories. He knew of some passages that refer to a man in the line of David, the lineage and legacy of David, a man who would come and restore spiritual sight to the blind, open ears to hear spiritually, heal the lame, the sick, the diseased, even raise the dead. You can write these down. We're not going to turn to them. You can write these down, though. In Isaiah chapter 11, the whole chapter, Isaiah chapter 29, verses 18 through 19, Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 and 6, Isaiah 61, Jeremiah 23, Psalms 72. All of these passages will point you to the son of David as the Messiah. And Bartimaeus had made that connection. I don't think he was a genius. I think God had given it to him. God gave him faith in those promises in his Bible. God gave him the faith to believe them, to trust them. And that's why he could shout out, Jesus, son of David. Jesus, who healed the blind, raised the dead, restored the lame, was the root of Jesse's stump. He was the righteous branch, the son of David, the Messiah. Bartimaeus was convinced. He didn't have any doubt. This is why he screamed it out all the more. Bartimaeus knew that his spiritual blindness would condemn him, but that Jesus was the Savior who could free him, redeem him. See, Bartimaeus realized his blindness, both physically and spiritually, and he cried out in faith that Jesus, the Son of David, the Lamb of God, would take away his sins. It's kind of like going to the doctor for some problem and finding out you've got another problem besides that. I know many of you have done that, and I have too. It's like, well, you really have this problem too, and it's like, ooh, that's not good. But that's kind of what this is like. We, we, may have, we may have physical blindness or physical deafness or some physical issue, but we have a spiritual condition that's even more serious that we need to address. David, the ancestor of Jesus, spoke of our blindness to our sin. In Psalms 53, verses 1 through 3, this is what David says, and this is the truth of God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, have committed abominable injustice. There is no one who does good. God has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there is anyone who understands, who seeks after God. Every one of them has turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. No, not even one. And that's the basis of the whole point of Jesus Christ. We are spiritually blind. Have you realized that? Have you recognized the fact that you don't see the spiritual world, the spiritual condition of your heart? Do you see your heart condition is like the fool that he just mentioned in this passage that says there is no God? Because when we live like that, that's kind of what we're saying. I was a fool once too. I was a fool that thought I could take care of myself. I could remedy my sin problem. All the problems, all the tragic events in the world can be tied back to sin, to the rejection of God's truth and his way. Everything. What Adam, what Adam and Eve started in the Garden of Eden has grown to immense and immeasurable proportions. Just read the newspaper or the news feed on your phone. 
Why do nations fall? Sin. Why do societies kill each other and harm each other? Sin. Why do churches close or divide? Sin. Why do marriages fail or families become dysfunctional? It's sin. Spiritual blindness to God's eternal plan causes these. We're, we're all guilty of that spiritual blindness. We're all guilty of not seeing the truth of God. And the best thing, the best thing is for all of us, all of us to realize how spiritually blind we are. How spiritually blind we are and ask Jesus, the son of David, to forgive us of our sins, to save our souls. And if, if, if sin is the root of all the calamities that we see around us, and it is, I don't think there's no question about that, then we must deal with it first. We must rip the weed by its roots right out of the heart of our soul. And Bartimaeus, he saw his spiritual blindness. He saw his need for a savior. And he saw that sin was the reason he was physically blind. But he knew that Jesus could forgive him. And he begged Jesus for mercy. He begged Jesus not to give him something he deserved, which was the, the blindness and the death penalty. See, we need the same mercy to remove our, our deserved eternal damnation. We need that mercy. And to accept that our condition needs Jesus. So we're all blind to begin with. That's, that's point number one. We now see that Jesus is now going to show Bartimaeus that mercy he claimed and that mercy he cried for, that mercy he prayed for, which is a foreshadowing of what he's going to do in Jerusalem in a week or so. And it's why he's going to Jerusalem. We can only see by the power of Jesus. Let me read verses 49 through 52 for you. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, have courage, get up. He's calling for you. He threw off his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him, what do you want me to do for you? Rabboni, the blind man said to him, I want to see. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. Here comes the grace. If you don't see it, you will in a second. Here comes the grace. After his desperate and loud pleas Bartimaeus, from Bartimaeus, Jesus stops. And the whole crowd stops with him. I'm sure it was kind of like this big inertia thing. And Jesus, he didn't even resist this title, Son of David. If you've noticed as we've gone through Mark, every time something great happens, every time something great happens, Jesus says, don't go tell anybody, just go home. Or go to the priest and show yourself. He, he never really says, go out and spread the word that I'm the Messiah. He never does. But this time, he didn't, he didn't tell Bartimaeus, shh. He didn't do that. He embraced the title, Son of David. He accepted that title, Son of David. And so the messianic secret is kind of out at this point. Jesus stops in his tracks and he calls the blind man to him. And he enlists the crowd to do that. He tells them, Go bring him. Go, go get him. Call him to me. Bring him to me. He enlists the crowd to do this. Now, this is the same crowd that went, shh, don't say anything, Bartimaeus. It's the same crowd. What changed? Why would Jesus enlist the crowd? Well, let me tell you why. So that they can see that he's a human being. They can see that he has a soul. And they can see that Jesus cares about him. No matter what they thought, no matter what they 
saw in his life or how they understood blindness. He involves the crowd. And so their tune kind of changes, and they tell Bartimaeus, cheer up. It says here, have courage, but the word actually means cheer up. Be of good cheer. He wants you to come see him. Jesus is calling for you. Well, why did they change their tune? Well, they wanted to please Jesus, maybe. Maybe. I'm giving them, I'd be giving them a limit. They were flattering Jesus. They were doing what Jesus wanted to make themselves look good in front of Jesus. Maybe they were just curious as to what Jesus was going to do with a blind beggar on the side of the road at Jericho. Maybe they were curious. Or maybe they thought Jesus would tell him to shut up. <laughs> like the Pharisees would, like they had been telling him. Maybe that Jesus would confirm, you are a cursed man because you're blind, so be quiet. Maybe that's what they thought. I don't know what they thought, but their tune changed. Bartimaeus throws off his coat, probably the only earthly possession he owned, probably his only real shelter, and he ran to Jesus. Now, obviously, the crowd had to guide him to Jesus and help him. He probably didn't have a cane with a red tip on it and tapping everybody's ankles and legs trying to get through the crowd. They helped him. So even more involvement by the crowd, even more of them had to see that this is a human being that needs a savior. So Jesus asked him a question and he asked every one of us this question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? That question's out there. It hangs. It hangs in this room, especially on mornings like today. What do you want me to do for you? He asked the same question to James and John earlier when they wanted to be the greatest. They wanted to sit on his right and left. What do you want me to do for you when he asked them, when they asked him that? What do you want me to do for you? Compare Bartimaeus' answers to James and John. Bartimaeus says, I just, I just want to see. I just want to be able to see. I mean, James and John, they're asking, I want to sit in the right and the left. We want to be the great ones in the, in the kingdom with you. Quite a contrast. Bartimaeus is not looking for greatness. He's looking for eyesight. He wants to see. So he uses a phrase when he answers the question, Rabboni, a name, Rabboni. That name was very precious. That name was reserved by the Pharisees and the Jews as a name specifically for God. It meant God, the teacher of the world. That's the way they used it. That was how they, rabbi meant teacher, and it always meant teacher. But this particular use of the word rabbi, rabboni, meant God. See, Bartimaeus knew who Jesus was. He was the son of David. He was son of God. Rabboni, I just want to see. He had faith in Jesus as the Messiah. If Jesus would, he wanted to see again. It's obvious from some of the other accounts that he had had his sight at some point. Only Jesus could heal his soul and his sight. And Jesus sees the true faith in Bartimaeus. He sees that Bartimaeus really, really trusts him and had the faith that trusts all of his souls into the hands of the Messiah. Grace arrives. Grace arrives. And Bartimaeus' faith was, was sure of the power of Christ, so Jesus healed his eyes and his soul was saved. See, when he uses the word, your faith has saved you, he's not talking about just healing his eyeballs. He's talking about saving his soul. 
In the Greek, there's a special word, sozo. So now you've learned some Greek this morning. Sozo. It's used specifically in the New Testament whenever Jesus is saving someone. In Matthew 1.21, I mentioned earlier when it said, Name him Jesus, for he will sozo his people from their sins. So that word specifically means salvation. They use it specifically for that. And that's what Jesus said. Your faith has sozoed you, in a sense. And Jesus says, depart, because you can see now. Go and tell others about the son of David. And Bartimaeus began immediately following Jesus to Jerusalem and to participate in the Passover. It had probably been a long, long, long time since Bartimaeus had been able to participate in the Passover. Because if you have an illness, a handicap, you're not allowed in the temple. You're forbidden. You cannot come into the temple as a blind man. But now he can see. He can come into the temple. He can give a thanksgiving offering to God for healing his eyes and saving his soul. Some believe that actually the reason Mark's the only one that names Bartimaeus. Luke and Matthew, don't, they, they talk about a guy, Jericho, but they don't name him. And I think the reason they na- he named, Mark names Bartimaeus is I think he was known as one of the early witnesses in the church, either the church in Rome that Mark is writing to or other churches, they knew who Bartimaeus was. So he's dropping a name in a sense. Mark does that a few times in his, in his gospel. So he uses that name, and Bartimaeus follows Jesus to Jerusalem. Bartimaeus' spiritual sight led to his receiving of his physical sight. Bartimaeus saw even while he was blind. You get that? He saw who Jesus really was, regardless of his physical sight. Only by the power of Jesus Christ can anyone really see. Jesus is the only way to salvation. We say it every week. The Bible screams it loud and clear. It's the only way to eternal life. To truly see our condition and his provision We need Jesus' help. The world tells you seeing is believing, right? I'll believe it when I see it. I've heard that so many times. You know what Jesus tells you? Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. Faith is what made Bartimaeus see. Jesus just healed his eyes. Faith alone produces true sight. And John, when he told the story in his gospel in chapter 9 about the blind man, that blind man got, got healed, Jesus healed him, and then people are proclaiming great praise about it, and he gets cornered by the Pharisees. He gets called in. Basically, his parents get called in. Everybody's put on trial because he can see now. It's just crazy to me, but that's what, the way they reacted to it. So they call him in the last time, and they're asking this man, who saved your eyes? Who healed your eyes? Who was this? And, and, they, and, they, and he gives an answer in any way. There's a big bickering going on. And they finally say, we don't know where this man is from. And here's what the blind man, or the formerly blind man, re- responded. The man answered and said to them, well, here is an amazing thing. That you do not know where he is from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing... And does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, 
he could do nothing. He could do nothing if he was not from God. See, the world today fails to see that Jesus is from God, that Jesus is God. They fail to see. They refuse to understand. They resist this truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That heaven only comes by faith in Christ, Christ Jesus. Now, they'll call you and me exclusive or even prejudicial because we believe that's the only way to heaven. And the world fights for their right to believe what they want to believe, and they can have that right. They can, they can have their right to see the way they want to see. They don't want us to tell them how to live, how to believe. They want the right to choose their own path to the next life, to eternity. And even when we explain the Bible and we show them the truths that we hold on to, they resist and they persecute our faith. Not necessarily here, but it's going on all over the world as we speak. But you know what? Jesus never forced anybody to believe in him. Never. He never grabbed anybody and put them in a headlock till they believed. He never did that, and we'll never do that. That's not the way salvation works. We offer the truth. And hopefully, prayerfully, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it gives you sight. Sight to see Jesus. Spiritual blindness grips every soul until Jesus heals their soul. You know, you can't muster enough faith on your own to believe in Jesus. Like Bartimaeus, he, he was given that faith. Only Jesus grants salvation. Only Jesus can cover the sins of humanity. Only Jesus can make our hearts new. Only Jesus. Are you looking at your life and all you do through the eyes that are healed by the gospel? I hope you are, because I hope you see Jesus enough to trust him. When you come to realize what Bartimaeus did, then and only then can you truly see the power of Jesus to change your life, to save your soul. Bartimaeus believed it. We must recognize our blindness to truth first. That was point number one. We've got to recognize that we're all sinners and we need a Savior. And then we've got to accept the fact that Jesus is that Savior and he's the only one. There are not multiple ways to heaven. There are no other paths to heaven. Regardless of what mankind may say, the truth is that Jesus is the only way. Faith in Jesus believes with conviction, believes that he can save your soul, believes that you can be forgiven of your sins. Faith in Jesus alone. Now, as I wrap this up, think about this. What, what if, hypothetical, what if when Bartimaeus came up to Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, I want to see. What if Jesus had said, no, Bartimaeus, I'm not going to heal your eyes, but your faith has saved you. You have salvation. Tell others about me. What do you think Bartimaeus would have done? What do you think he would have done? Would he have followed Jesus still? Would he have tried to follow Jesus even though he couldn't see? I believe so. I believe he trusted Jesus. Trusted Jesus. And Jesus merely confirms his faith to him and to us. His faith was founded in the Messiah first. Not in healing, not in blessings. And we need to ask ourselves, are we letting our faith depend on how good life is? 
Does our faith ebb and flow with the goodness and badness of life? Or do we trust Jesus no matter what? I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder. I want you to hear my praises roar. That's what we're doing. That's what real faith does. We don't need to be affected by what God is doing for us, but what he has already done for us. So let's take this pastoral prayer time to silently pray. You can come to the front if you want and do that. We're going to take a few minutes to pray. Pray that your faith will be stronger, more founded in Christ than in temporal blessings. So let's take that time right now and pray to to God in a time of silent prayer, and then I'll close us out.